Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series where Booklist talks to book people. And this Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Ravel. I'm Susan McGuire, and today I'm talking to romance author Irene Hannon. Irene Hannon is a best-selling Rita Award-winning author who has written more than 50 romantic suspense and contemporary romance women's fiction novels. Her books have appeared on multiple bestseller lists, and three and a half million copies of her books have been sold worldwide and translated into multiple languages. So, you know, she's kind of a big deal. Dark Ambitions, the final book in the Code of Honor trilogy, comes out in October from Ravel. Thank you for joining me, Irene Hannon. It's my pleasure. So let's talk about Dark Ambitions. Can you tell me a little bit about the Code of Honor series and then about this latest book? Sure. Um, and I should start out really by telling any listeners that when people hear series, they usually think, well, okay, this is the third book in a series. I can't possibly read that. But I don't do my series that way. The Code of Honor series features three childhood friends who have, whose, whose link and whose bond has, has been uh, shaped through years and through danger. And so each of the books in the series features a different member of this little group of friends. And every book stands alone. There are no hanging plot threads. So anybody can pick one up at any point and read it. And so if you're just joining my, my books or you're, you're reading one of my books for the first time, you can just jump right in. So this book is, as you said, the third book in the series. And it features a farmer army night stalker named Rick Jordan, who has left the military behind. And he now runs a camp for foster children. The audience needs to know that that's very swoon-worthy. Oh, very swoon-worthy. It is, yes. He's a great hero. So he he comes home to the camp one day in the winter when it's deserted. Nobody's there in the winter, and he finds a trail of blood. And it doesn't take him too long to figure out who left the trail, but what he doesn't know is what why was this person bleeding and where have they gone? This person has disappeared. So he turns to our heroine, Heather Shields, who is a private investigator, and enlists her help to, to unravel this mystery. And so they work together to begin to track down all of these apparently disparate threads that ultimately weave together to create a very complex scenario. And the further they get into this web of intrigue, the more the more the danger ratchets up because someone in this book who has, as the title suggests, dark ambitions does yes. not want certain secrets revealed and will really stop at nothing. They have very uh, high ambitions and they will stop at nothing to achieve their goals. So it's a, it's a build toward a very, very suspenseful climax. And in fact, one of the reviewers of this book and one of the early reviewers, uh, I loved what they said. They said the ending spins perfectly out of control. And I think that's what happens with this book. I think readers will be very surprised at how the whole thing works out. Yeah, I when I was reading it, if you could see the notes I was writing in the margin, I'd say, oh, this guy's definitely the villain. Oh, this person's absolutely the villain. No, wait, this person <laughs> is definitely the villain. So you definitely keep the readers on their toes. Yes, there are a number of characters in this book who are very strong potential villains. And yeah. what I like to do in all of my books, I always take readers into the point of view of both the hero and heroine, but I also delve into the points of view of multiple characters, including the villain, because I think it just ratchets up the suspense for the reader to be taken inside the head of people that the, who are who's thinking the hero and heroine are not privy to. 
So it's very, I think it's a very good device. And I, I do like that sort of psychological deep dive into characters. So I want to ask you a question about romantic suspense, because those two, I feel like those two um, genres are so different that combining them together seems so hard. Because suspense, you've got like a breakneck pace and like high intensity danger. But then with the romance storyline, it's differently intense. Maybe, um, you know, as they're getting to know each other and it's a little bit gentler. And how do you have like a trick to how you make those two work together? It is an interesting combination because they are sort of different, different, they're, they're, they're different genres. And I write in both. I also write contemporary romance, as you noted in my, uh, in my introduction. So when you combine the romance with the suspense, it's a little bit tricky because you never want the suspense to lag. And certainly I think in my books, the majority of the time, the suspense is pretty front and center, but you're trying at the same time to weave in this growing relationship between the hero and heroine. But I think that that's one of the differences between what, when people hear suspense, some people immediately think of sort of an action adventure book where you have every page, there's constant physical danger that kind of juices the reader's adrenaline. And that, that's to me not really as suspenseful as a book that has a, sl- a little bit of a slower build toward a deadly showdown where you have these occasional peaks of action. And then in between those peaks, you have a chance then to let the reader see this developing relationship. It sort of slows the book down just a little bit, gives the reader a chance to take a deep breath after they get past one exciting incident, yeah. learn a little bit about the characters, and then we kind of crest to another incident. You know, the way I, I describe my books, it, it's the difference between uh, like an Alfred Hitchcock North by Northwest and a James Bond movie. Uh, they're both suspenseful, but they just do it a little bit differently. You've written 50 plus books. So I imagine there's more than one answer to this question, but what inspires your writing? Oh, goodness. Um, Right? (laughs) Is that a broad enough question? It's a very broad question. I've been at this so long. You know, people, the question about, by inspired, do you mean what makes me sit down every day and write uh, or what what, um, makes me, inspires me for a particular book? Yes. What (laughs) inspires you? Where do you get the sort of, you know, energy or the, I don't know, magic or whatever, where you have a story that you have to tell? Where does that come from? You know, I, I, I actually had that question a number of times in different speaking engagements and interviews. And I'm one of these people who believes that writing and the ability to tell stories is really a gift. It's, it's something you're born with and that it's almost a compulsion. My husband, for example, he's a wonderful artist, and I could take art lessons my whole life, and every time I draw a person, it would look like a stick figure. (laughs) I just can't. I don't have that talent. And I think writing is kind of the same. It's a gift, as I said, that's also kind of a compulsion that just makes you want to want to use language to create these vivid characters and these vivid stories. I have written for as long as I can remember. I, I mean, as soon as I learned how to put words together, I was writing something. And my, my um, background academically, I have a master's degree in journalism. So even in that sense, I was always writing. And in terms, so it's a compulsion, but in terms of 
you know, what makes you sit down every day at the computer on days even when you don't feel like it? There was an author, and I can't recall his name, but someone asked him that question once. They said, do you wait until you're inspired to write? And mm-hmm. I loved his answer. And he said, yes, I always wait until I'm inspired, but I make sure I'm inspired every morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs> and when you're a professional writer, and this is what I do for a living, this is my job. I mean, that's what you do. You know, you sit down. Some days the words come easier than others, but they always come. And you, and as I think it was Nora Roberts said, you, you can always fix a bad page. You can't fix a blank page. So that's what you do that's if you're a professional true. writer. So then what about your, you know, I already mentioned your swoon with the heroes. Um, where do the characters come from? Are they inspired by people you know? Do they come to you in a dream or... No, I think that I think the characters that I write about are compilations of people I've met, people I've mm-hmm. read about, whatever. Uh, my my undergraduate degree is in psychology, so I've always had this fascination with what makes people tick. So some of it is based on what I've seen, some of it is created, some of it is is a what would how would a person in this situation react? And that's where you have to sort of delve into your own psyche and try to figure it out. Um, But the characters come to me as the story develops and they just are the people who are supposed to be in the book. I can't describe it any better than that. Well, you can't give away all your secrets, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, there's something that not everybody has the Irene Handen ability Right, more than fifty uh, couples. So, well, you know, every if you, if you look at the romance aspect of it, it just I look among, among all my friends and family, every single romance is different. So you really never run out of ideas for how to create interesting and compelling stories about the relationship between a man and a woman. Every story is different. Yeah, I love that. I mean, there's so many different ways to get to that happily ever after. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's all there are always challenges to overcome along the way. And that's as true in real life as it is in books. Amen to that. So because this is book list and we're part of the American Library Association, I have to ask you a library question. So how have libraries played a role in your reading or your writing life from when you were a kid or now or? Uh, Libraries were my life when I was when I was a young person. I, I should tell you a couple of really quick stories. When I was probably 10, I guess, or 11, whenever age I discovered Nancy Drew, who fueled my interest in romantic suspense, I lived within walking distance of our library. And so I I found Nancy Drew and I went to the library and I would get whatever the limit was, maybe six books or whatever, and I'd bring them home. I'd sit under the tree. We lived with my grandfather in the backyard and I would devour the books. And by the next day or two days later, I was done. So I would go back and I'd get six more. Well, I did this for about four days in a row. And finally, I took the bunch of books back and the librarian looked at me and said, you can't possibly have read all these books in 24, 48 hours. Why don't you take these home and bring them back in a few days? And I was devastated. I've read all these books. I want more books. So she called the library and said, my daughter is reading these books. I will vouch for her. Please give her books. So they did. But the funny, the, the, the caveat in the, or the sequel to that story is that when I became older, I ended up getting a part-time job at that same library, and I worked with the woman who I had had that encounter with, and we, we had a great laugh about it at that time. And in fact, I worked at the library all through high school, all through high school and all through college, and it, I loved it. It was, how could you not love, as a writer and a lover of words, not love working in a library? So I have very, very fond memories of and feelings toward libraries. 
I love that. I mean, there's like a physical sort of joy when you're a book person going into oh that. Oh my room. gosh. It's, yes. Can you imagine? I mean, working in a library when you're someone like me, it was, it was wonderful. Well, since you've just outed yourself as a fast reading book person, um, when you're not <laughs> writing, what do you like to read? You know, there isn't much time when I'm not writing because I'm doing two major books every year. So I am pretty busy with with the writing end of this. And when I do read, I read pretty eclectically. I like, I read across genres. I don't have people say, who's your favorite author? I don't have a favorite I author. I like ask you to choose. That's cruel. <laughs> well, I read, I, I love many different authors and like I said, I read across genres. I typically, when I read though, interestingly enough, I don't always read suspense because my books are very intense and pretty, can can get pretty, pretty dark with some of these villains. And so when I'm not writing suspense, I tend to gravitate more toward probably women's fiction um, would be the genre I gravitate toward, I think, uh, in my own personal reading. Well, Thank you for answering my uh, intrusive book questions. And <laughs> I really appreciate it. I, I very much enjoyed reading Dark Ambitions. And thank you. I can't wait to read more from you. It sounds like you probably have about 15 million more in the pipeline. <laughs> there are definitely more coming. I have a new series that will debut next, uh, next fall. And then I have a continuing series uh, set in my fictional town of Hope Harbor on the Oregon coast, which is my contemporary romance series. And that that's, I think we're coming out with book six and that five or six of this uh, next year. So that will continue as well. That's great. So plenty well, more books coming. Yeah, I was going to say a lot to look forward to. Well, thank yeah. you so much for chatting with me and thank you everyone for listening to the shelf care interview. This shelf care interview was sponsored by Ravel publisher of Irene Hannon's Dark Ambition, available now. Happy reading!